0: Welcome to the Right Place podcast, where we learn with you how to navigate the world by building connections that matter, relationships that last, and businesses that thrive. My name is John Watson, and today I am, I'm having a conversation with my friend Rudolf Rautenbach to learn more about him and if he has found the right place yet. Rudolf, good morning. Great to see you again. Hey, how's it, John? It feels
1: like I see you so many times, but uh, it's always a little bit different if we're doing a recording rather than just a casual conversation or planning stuff and and so on. But yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Um, Not always great to speak about yourself. It's a a strange thing. I'm very good at getting information out of other people and asking them questions. But as soon as the questions come my way, you feel a little bit different. So I'm more nervous than normal.
0: No, I don't think you've got anything to worry about um, this morning. Uh, Rudolph, um Rudolph and I have known each other since 2006. We connected at the Auditor General and have stayed in contact ever since. And, yeah, we've been on this podcast journey now for a couple of months. And, yeah, I think we are learning a lot about each other, learning a lot uh, from our interactions. And today is just to get to know Rudolf um, on a bit of a deeper level and hear about his journey to where he is at the moment and the lessons he's learned and and some of the things that he's done. Um so Rudolf, let's start way back at the beginning, if you can remember that far. Um maybe share one or two of your earliest uh childhood memories and, and, and what they mean to you. Yeah, very
1: interesting, John. I my dad passed away when I was five years old, uh six days before my my sixth birthday, actually. And um yeah, I have recovered. <laughs> uh, it's not like I've I realized that something's missing out of my life, but a lot of the things that I remember from before that time, I obviously remember that specifically, but I was already six. But things that I remember before that, I always okay. wonder if it's because I remember it or whether it's the stories that I that I heard from other people about my dad and things that happened. So a lot of my earlier childhood memories are with him because I, I, I didn't know him after I was six years old. So uh, one of two things... Um, we we stayed in the, in Limpopo at at the time um, before before my mom got married again and he he had this little bit of a a pig's farm next to our house um, someone else's land and he just negotiated it and he started farming with these things and my one brother and I we wanted to create our own gang and we needed a hideout so we started our own hideout very close to the pig's uh, place and then decided to go and buy some lion's matches to to just burn a little bit of the grass so that we have the space for ourselves. And needless to say, we set the whole felt alight <laughs> on the day. Um, yeah, so so two things I remember. Firstly, is that I was so scared to to actually tell him that it was me because it, it was me, but I, I knew it was coming if I told him. But I quickly realized that if I'm gonna lie here, it's gonna be worse. <laughs> so um, yeah, the the such a exciting adventure we went on. But secondly, when that happened, it quickly turned into one of my biggest nightmares. And I do remember the hiding as well. But also that my dad was very much um he was very fair. He actually told me, listen, he wanted me to, to tell him that I made a mistake. And that I, I'm sorry, and and carry on, and and for that he only gave me a few, few shots. <laughs> no, I didn't get the biggest hiding ever, but if I, I think if I if I did lie and try and negotiate it away, it could have been so much worse. So not not the best memory, I suppose, but quite a quick early on life lesson, firstly and. Um, yeah, I've got a few stories I can tell you, we don't have the time, but a few stories of my dad, and most of them um, are things that I remember almost as a lesson. Um, So so quite interesting, obviously if you're young, you learn, everything's a learning experience, Um, but very interesting, the things that I do remember of that time is all to do with my dad, and all to do with things that I remember nowadays because of Stories or incidents that happened that can be turned into some sort of a life lesson.
0: And I've also got some shocking stories um, from you know, when I was five, six, seven, eight years old. Um, you, know, you quickly yeah. learn as a young boy if, if you're going to lie about something, you're going to make things 10 times worse. You, yeah, you, you've got to so lead with some honesty. You've got to own up, take the punishment. And I mean, it's all part of growing up. Little boys and matches is never <laughs> a good combination. <laughs> Especially um, in the 80s when we were growing up, there, were, there was limited adult supervision sometimes. There were no cell phones. We could almost do whatever we wanted. So, yeah, no, fun times. Eh? I look forward to hearing some more of these <laughs> these stories one day. Um, we were staying on the family theme. Um, you're obviously married. You're married to Rolandi, uh, your son, Lucas. Um, your mom is still around. You've got um, a couple of brothers. How... How has your family life uh, developed over the years, and and what does family mean to you in in 2024?
1: Yeah, good, I am um, yeah married. As you said, I've got one son. Um, when I grew up, I always wanted to have a big family. It didn't work out that way. My so one son, um, five brothers. <laughs> so we're a big big group, and then my in-laws as well. On their side, there's a big big family, and they're very close and. Um, I'm also very close to them. And and I always see family as a bit of a support system. I think that you get in each other's hair, but you're always on the lookout for for your siblings, for your family, and so on. So I I believe that family is the closest that you can get in terms of how God designed the world, uh, that we love each other unconditionally. Whether the person does things that you don't believe is right or wrong, or um, whatever happens, that you're actually in a position where you can, um, that you can forgive, that you can um, say what you need to say, and know that the other person will take it to heart because there's this trust relationship in it. Um, but yeah, as a as a family, we uh, we've got some goals, we've got some stuff that we're working through as well and it's not always it's not always easy it's not always just the best time of your life but you mm-hmm. you have the commitment and you have the willpower to work sh- through things that do go wrong um and that you do have to to attend to and and above all you you're actually so committed um uh, and and loving in this process that that I think you you want to be there uh, more than just sticking it out because that's what you said you're going to do. And and I think if you're in that position, you can actually um, get full value out of those relationships as well. And yeah, we we've uh, gone through some troubled times as a bigger family over the last while with some uh, deaths and and a few things that happened in the family. And it's not all, always been great, um, but the, the support that I see and the love that I see in the in amongst the family members is something that I, I want to ingrain and, and teach my child as well. That um irrespective of what happens, your family will always be there for you. Your people are your people, they will they will back you um and, mm-hmm. and drive you. And I think um yeah, probably the same on your side. I mean you guys have had a, a tough time the last few years and, and it's been um it's been a place where, where I think once that happens, you only realize what you've had and, and mm-hmm. you don't want to come to that point and and, and be regretful. So, uh, yeah, the, the forgiving side, the loving side has always been entrenched in me. I'm a very placid type of guy in that. I'm not overly excited. I'm not uh, overly depressed. Over things, mm. I, I'm very blessed. Very limited in my emotional expressions over certain things, but I do believe that that your family is your first support base. So that's that's how I see it.
0: No, I think that's that's a wonderful explanation, there, Rudolf. I mean, when tragedy does strike, you need each other more than ever. You need family. You need yeah. that closeness and just to be there with each other and 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 um, yeah, be a brother, be a uncle, be a son. Uh, to To those people around you and also to yeah. to build each other up, um, we need that constant reassurance every day is a new day with its own challenges with its own issues. You need that constant reassurance everything 's going to be okay the family the family's there for you their support um, yeah, it hasn 't been that, uh, uh, it hasn 't been an easy time on our side as well um, it Sometimes you feel like when is this ever going to end what, what what is what is actually going on here? Is this my whole life but you realize sometimes it's just a chapter in your life you're in a valley for a little bit but the 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 journey out will, will produce so much character so much personality and also maybe be an inspiration um to other people around you so uh, your family i mean it's just it's very cliché to say but family family is 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 one of the biggest pillars in your life, and you just got to got to embrace it. You got to love those around you. You got to yeah hold each other up and, and and be there for each other. Now, Rudolph, we met in two thousand and six, and by then you had finished your BCom, your your CTA, um, you had done one year academic articles already. Um, so when we met in two thousand and six, it was um, you were a second year. Um, trainee. I was also a second year trainee, uh, having left uh, a small firm to join the AG. But where did your journey towards becoming a CA start? Was it in high school? Was it in primary school? Did you always have CA as your as your destination?
1: Hey, um I always wanted to be an architect. Primary school times I for some reason it just gripped me. And I I, I was on this journey to become an architect. And one of the things that backed that was my grandfather did a lot of woodwork. And every December holiday, we would go to them on the farm. And I would work with him for six weeks every December almost. And I quite enjoyed it. And then we, we did the drawings in woodwork at the school as well. And then my older brother, Cor, went to university to become a CA. Came to Tux. We were staying in the Northern Cape that time, and I didn't know what a CA was. I just heard uh, "chartered accountant," and you don't want to hear that word in Afrikaans. But it's a it's a <laughs> a massive thing, and I'm like, what is this? And I actually didn't really care because that was his journey. I'm I'm going to be an, an architect. And then when I went into grade ten, which was standard eight back in the day, <laughs> I I fell in love with accounting at school. I always did it the previous two years, uh, and I think one of the things that influenced it quite a bit was was the teachers. Uh, we had some mm. proper accounting teachers at school, and I just enjoyed the subject so much. Never realized that when you go to university, it's not going to be that. It's going to be completely different because uh, school accounting, unfortunately, unfortunately to say it, but school accounting is not it's not accounting as you do it. it after school it's it's a bit different that is it's actually bookkeeping and it's and, mm-hmm. and it was manual back in the day I hope these days they do a bit of computer work as well I suppose they do um yeah so I I quickly shifted at school already and then mm-hmm. said that I'm going to be an accountant so I enrolled for CA because that that was in my view back in the day that Top pendulum of this is, this is the top thing of accounting that you can do in South Africa. So I went for that. And at Varsity, I, I got a bursary. And I think that also helped in that if I received a bursary for something else, I would have done it. Because um, growing up, my, my mom couldn't afford that I actually go to Varsity. Um, and she made a few plans and I would have gone in the end. But initially, I almost got a bursary for engineering from the mine there. So I would have done that. But I probably wouldn't have been fulfilled. Wouldn't have I wouldn't have been comfortable or happy. I would have just done it because that's the method or the way that I could get into varsity. Um yeah, so glad glad things worked out. And I, I'm thoroughly of the belief that things will work out the way it should. And and that path, if you do if you make the right choices, if you if you stay um true to yourself, those type of things, you, you're gonna be on the path that was designed for you. And and you build that road and you you carry on. So yeah, I did a lot of um lot of studying adversity probably more than I should have, could have had a bit more relaxed time as well, I suppose. But because of the bursary, I if I failed it was gone. So that was my pathway out of poverty almost. I had to I had to drive this this process and I I stuck to my guns on it. Um, yeah, and uh, I quite enjoyed it. Articles as well I, uh, was was quite a thing for me. I got a bit of a shock, and I'm sure most people do. Once you start doing auditing and stuff at varsity, you get a bit of a shock. And auditing is not one of my first loves. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not. <laughs> that's why I don't do it anymore. Um, it's definitely not one of my passions. And and I got a bit um, thinking to myself, maybe it's not what I want to do, but. Because this designation is such a broad base of things, um, I quickly realized that I need to get this auditing out of the way. Do your articles, pass the thing first, do your articles, and, and um, then you can do pretty much whatever you want within the rest of the designation. So I think we said it once before, the designation shouldn't shape you as a person, shouldn't change you. But, yes, it does open many doors. it opens a lot of doors and and for that there's value in it so happy with that um happy with my choice um and and at heart still very very much in the c a thing uh mm-hmm. do get a lot of value out of it, not in practice anymore so I've shifted out of that and
0: and the same for you oh, that's fascinating um my journey is, I think, similar. I also enjoyed accounting in school. Um, and also, I didn't know what a CA was. It's, it's, it's funny. Like, you end up studying something that you've never heard of. I mean, you hear about firemen and policemen and teacher and lawyer and this type of stuff and accountant, but then you hear the word CA. Like, what does CA what is uh, even mean? Um, but I think that's the beauty of the CA um, designation is that um, – you can go into so many different areas, but it just gives you that ground that you understand what auditing is, you understand what controls are, you understand what financial management is, financial accounting, taxation and things like that. So the exposure that you get, I don't think there's a better thing to study. Um, and what I always encourage people is go and study the hardest thing you can do. And I mean the CA qualification, especially CTA, you're studying for the board exams, that's really tough. It's it's a lot of hours with your bum on your seat and paging away through the books and writing and writing and writing. I have absolutely no regrets about, about doing the CA. No. Um, I remember those those early days at the AG when we started um, with Alice Miller, with Mariana, uh, Brandt Putzier, Rechard Khaus, and, and we all went on induction together. Uh, yeah, the, I enjoyed it very much. I think um, the... The
1: change in my cultural environment was one thing. Where I grew up in the Northern Cape, we speak Afrikaans. And Mm. you learn English at school, but you never use it. Uh, You hear it on TV um, and so on. But uh, English is not a thing because no one there speaks English. Um, You go to university. I went to Potschefsturm. All my classes were in Afrikaans. My exams Mm. were in Afrikaans. My board exam was in Afrikaans. But some of the textbooks, obviously, in English, uh, probably most of Mm. them. And then I go to the AG and suddenly there are Afrikaans people, but everything is in English. And and one of the first things, I've got two stories I want to quickly tell. The One was one of my very first official work meetings was with the uh, police, the South African police services. Mm. And Mm. my senior manager, Jeet Salikram, invited me with, and my manager Trudy, so she unfortunately passed away in, uh, quite recently, and she, they invited me with, and I mean I'm a technically a first year trainee, I've never worked in my life, so I go with. I thought I'm going to take notes, but uh, so I drive with Trudy, get there, have the meeting, and I drive back with Ajit. cheat. And what happened was, in this meeting, I haven't said a word. It's all the top financial guys of the South African police. Everyone is Afrikaans except Ajit. So the whole meeting is in English, which is fair. It's it's That's the way it is because it's a it's a work meeting. It's a formal thing. I didn't have a problem with that. What I did have a mm. problem with is that at some stage, Ajit decides, Rudolf is a theoretical monster. He worked at the university. Rudolf, please give these guys the definition of an asset. And I'm raring <laughs> to go. But I have never, ever learned this definition in English. I only know it in Afrikaans. And one thing with a definition is you cannot translate a definition. Because if you translate it, you directly translate. And the sentence construction, everything's a mess. And everyone in that room knew, I know the thing, but I can't say it in English. And it was quite embarrassing, but... The guys were all Afrikaans, so they understood. They were happy. They, their English probably sucks, just as mine. And as we drive back, Ajit tells me, no, jump in the car with me. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get a scolding here." And he, as we're driving, he says, no, Rudolf, um, what did you think of the meeting and whatever else? And he stops at the traffic light at some station and says to me, don't worry, the English will come. And that's where I realized, yeah, everyone picked it up. Definitely everyone picked it up, but... Um, that's yeah, a learning curve, and and my English got shaped because of working in English. But a lot of uh, black people, um, people who struggle with English, the same as me, because their first language is also not English, and we we just spoke English to each other, and it was good fun. I had a lot of fun there. I was probably I was probably a bit naughty, not uh, naughty naughty, just. I always walked around and spoke a lot of nonsense to everyone. And then uh, just, uh, I was a bit loud at the time. So I was I was just all over the show. But I got to meet all the people and we got became friends and quite enjoyed that. Um, yeah, the, the AG was a good place. You mentioned the, the hotel at the beginning. So we shared a room. We got a, a, into the same room for that, uh, I think it was about 18 days. But what happened is, there was a lady with us, you remember her, Antoinette She got married. She's now Antoinette Wohimstra. She's got this very difficult surname now, <laughs> stays in touch. And she, um, <laughs> she, she was so naive. And, and a lot of us, me and you and Brandt and a few other people, took a screenshot of her computer and put it, <laughs> put it as the background. And when she had to demonstrate something, she got taught the software that we used. Nothing worked, and she clicks everywhere and calls the facilitator <laughs> to come and help her. And then we protest, like, no, 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 it's us, it's us. But <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Yes, I, I, we had good fun that,
0: those three weeks. No, I remember that story clearly. Um, I remember the <laughs> facilitator was more impressed with us. Um, I I don't know how we came about that. I think we were obviously bored or not listening enough during the training. Um, and you know, you know, control screen screen grab put it as the background. And she couldn't do anything on her computer. So bad. You know. these days you won't catch a catch a kid out with that
1: because everyone knows computers. But if you did it to me, I would have felt the same. I would have called the facilitator because I didn't know how that works.
0: <laughs> yeah no awesome yeah the, the ag days were excellent i remember uh, when you became a manager you finally got your own office and and that office was always the the hive, hive of activity i mean your audit team members yeah. were always there i remember mean, percy was in and out there the whole time if people had nothing to do or a bit bored or it was lunchtime go and sit in rudolph's yeah. office he'll, he'll he'll stop what he's doing he'll he'll talk some nonsense with you yeah, it, was, it was lots yeah. of fun
1: it was funny because I, when I got that office, it was because I was the training um, manager. I can't remember what you call that person, but to to run the trainees through their articles, and mm. it was obviously to do with a lot of the trainees. But I would, I don't say mentor, but I would speak so much to so many of those trainees that I had to mm. do my work at night. It actually cost me a lot of time, but it's because I enjoyed the people. I, I enjoyed. Chatting to them, and, and half of it was definitely nonsense. Just having a chat and connecting with a person rather than talking about work. But when everyone goes, I am like, Well oh, yeah, I haven't done anything today. I need to start working," and then I start start my day job. So uh, probably a bad habit uh, that that I got there, mm-hmm. but um, I still do that. Unfortunately, I I I'd like to speak to people and and just get to know them and make a joke or two, and then cost me an hour. But then i have to catch it up at some stage
0: i left the ag in 2010 or so uh, and i think you left also around that time or 2009 and then you went to the consulting world um it's, how was that transition going from the ag into the consulting world yeah it's
1: a it's a big adjustment if you're in auditing you've got a certain way of working you do certain things um And, and I mean, you, after three years of doing that, you actually, it becomes a habit. That's what you do. But consulting is about solving problems. Auditing is a bit of showing the problems to the people and you gave them, give them a suggestion or two, but you never have to implement it. So Mm. I, I'm very much the consulting type of person. So it, it suited me, but it took a while to adjust because a lot of the consulting work that we did was um yeah I wasn't used to it yet. So it took me a bit of time to start grasping how, how I should do it, what I what I what's my goal here. Um what it did is I learned a lot of Excel. I, I got very good at Excel during that time. It's one of the big benefits of that period of my life and that the data sets and things was just so big and I um you have to solve the problem. So your sample is not just 10 selections anymore suddenly the whole population and you have to fix mm. all the errors and and so on so i i quite enjoyed that i i did a lot of training as well which i didn't do at the ag i got a lot of training from the ag but in this period of my life i got into training and did a lot of public sector related training and and because of the way i'm built the way i am i quite liked the training I I did re- do regard myself as theoretically strong, but I also have a knack of explaining things very simplistically. I don't like mm-hmm. big words and overcomplicating things. So I I did a lot of training and I enjoyed the training because I if you teach someone something and they grasp it and they actually get it and they, they can go and implement it, it's one of the biggest joys that I ever have is is that breaking stuff open to people. And then also I'm firmly of the belief you only, um, you only fully understand something if you can teach it to someone else. Yeah. If you can't explain it and teach it to someone else, you actually, you haven't embedded it in your, in your skill set. You don't know it as well as you should know. And from a training perspective, I also learned a lot from the people. Um, I can tell you a lot of stories of stupid and funny things that happened to me during training sessions. Um, which we don't have time for, but but the that f- it's about five years that I was in that consulting environment at the time, and it was a, a great learning curve. The one thing mm-hmm. that I enjoyed also a lot is different clients, different environments, um, and and that's also one one thing of me. I I get bored um, to an extent rather quickly. I don't like routine things, the same thing over and over and over. And the consulting environment gave me the opportunity to move between different company cultures, different environments, different problem solving opportunities and and that helped quite a bit in expanding my my view of the finance environment, um, most of it in public sector still, um, mm-hmm. but definitely a part of my career that I don't regret. I learned so much in those five or so years, obviously in articles as well, but you now I have to go and implement and, and change things and so on. And I, I did enjoy that, those years a lot. And we worked together, together again at some for a few years, about, I think, two years yeah. or so, if I'm correct. In the consulting environment as well. I don't think we ever really worked on the same project in that time, but we were at the same company. Um, yeah. And quite enjoyed that as well. Such a small place, but also a... A very close-knit group of people and and people that want to change environments, make an impact and um, still have good relationships with most of the guys that we worked with at the time.
0: Yeah, I I think consulting is a great acceleration of your, your learning because oftentimes, especially where we were, you were the only CA in the building. When you got to a client, people had a problem or they had an issue or they had something that needed resolving or an audit query. You had to make something happen. So you had to quickly or instantly come up to speed on what is the issue. Um, you obviously had a budget. So you can't just take six months to figure things out. You need to figure things out quickly. You need to implement solutions. And and the team just stares at you. They're like, this is the guy that, that we brought in. He has to make something happen. So it's a very steep learning curve, but it's a lot of fun. I also thoroughly enjoyed it. Problem solving, meeting different people. Um, the people that we worked with were very experienced, um, or the people that, that, that were at the same company as us. So we learned a lot. And I think that's also prepared us to go into our, um, our new phase or our, 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 the phase where we find ourselves uh, now. So transitioning from those days back in the consulting world to now where you are in the BBBE space, what, what lessons could you bring from the consulting world into your, the current world and, and, and your business ownership? So,
1: initially after that, I went into um, skills development. So, not necessarily BE as a whole, but skills development. It came from the training side that I was involved in a lot of training and I, I enjoyed that. And I transitioned over a period of time, mostly into skills development. And to position the product, we moved into BE solutions on skills. So just how do you get value for BE as well? Because it's a marketing opportunity then. And then more recently um, went fully into the BE related aspects. And I pull a thread through all of this because I I don't think you can just stop one career and start the next. These things are fluid and they move into each other and, and you can never disregard any lesson that you have learned in the past. But the one passion that i do have is is solving problems solving a, getting a solution and and i think mm. within the be environment what i do enjoy is it's a it's a set of legislation it's it's a, an act there's there's there are rules and from my accounting background i work with formulas i work with rules i understand them and i can i can um implement that but also mm. from a problem solving solution you can You can do these things in so many different ways. And one of the things that I these days enjoy quite a bit is to to sit with the client and say, listen, this is the rule. This is what you need to do. This is what we need to achieve. Hmm. What works for the client and what works within legislation is not always the same thing. So how do we marry those two? How do we get them so that the client gets benefit? and not just points. Uh, they need to get value out of that as well. And that's that's the part that I enjoy the most of what I'm doing at the moment is nothing works the same every time. And and mm. through this, you learn a lot of new things. You've got a foundation. You've got a basis of which to work with. I think what makes me good at this is because I've got this strong financial accounting background, but I've also been in problem-solving Irrespective of BE for about for ten years almost, and 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 through that you you see so many different things that to to bring it all together to where I'm at at the moment, it it assists me to take from all of that experience and build something that is currently the best solution to a to a client. And um, yeah, we're we're doing okay. We I I I still like the people I. After a meeting, I probably should book another hour just to sit and talk to the person because if I leave, I've got so many questions, but time, time obviously, unfortunately doesn't always allow. But yeah, very, uh, very happy with where I have, I'm at at the moment. We, we're very lean. We're very um, streamlined in what we do, but we probably don't have two projects or two things that are exactly the same. And it's because of the other party, which is the client or the, the trainee, the learner or, or so on. and And that's what I like, the diversity. It works for me, um, different
0: people, different things, and, and all of my past experience comes into play. Excellent, Rudolf. I think South Africa is such a unique country. We've got our own challenges. We've got very unique businesses. Mm-hmm. Everything isn't hunky-dory in South Africa and no one's pretending that it is. So in your space where you can make a positive contribution to someone's business, where they can unlock value, create jobs, um, increase their revenue, things like that, that's a positive because it is difficult out there. Uh, like we discussed last week, uh, there's turbulent times. It is a very big challenge to do business in South Africa. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on the economy, um, so, if you're in a positive space where you can make a contribution, where you can unlock this value, I think I think that's a wonderful place to be. You are going to get fulfillment. And also, you're yeah. using your skills that you've built up over the years. Um, it isn't by accident that you were in the AG space, in the public sector consulting space. For sure. So, all of that gives you this background, I think, to be able to um, excel at the position that you're currently in now. So. Would you say that you're in your right place? You are happy where you are now? I mean, you've just said that you're you happy, but you're in your right place. And 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 where are you looking f- towards the the next year or so? What, what what is on the cards for for Rudolph and for for Owner Shield as well?
1: I I want to say yes, I am at the right place, um, and I'll back it up with one or two things. I got a massive job offer end of last year. Very. Very much something that I thought of for a while because of, firstly, the stability, the financial um, benefits of that position, um, the status of it. I mean, it's a big place and a big job and so on. But mm-hmm. it wasn't for me. It's it's not where I believe I should have gone um, and and would have changed our situation dramatically. Um, so, mm-hmm. yes, I, I think work-wise... My personal life the the fact that I can um, that I can decide on certain things myself um, helps a lot but um most of it is that i I believe this is where I should be at the moment. I say that because I think the impact that I can have the difference that I can make in a lot more people's lives rather than working within a corporate structure um mm. is 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 where I need to be. Um, so yes, I am I am at the right place. I don't think you'll ever be in a position, I I've never been there in a position where I can say, if I pass away today, if something happens to me today, I would have done everything that I wanted, uh, wanted to achieve. I don't think I'm there. So I'm not, I'm not at the end of the line, if you hear what I'm saying, but I am definitely on that journey. To, to get there. So I am at the right place. I believe I'm at the right place for this moment of the, in time. But mm-hmm. there's a lot more that I want to do. And you've asked, where do I see myself in a year and the business in a year? We're very much on a growth path. There's a lot that I want to say about outside of my core work. Because my core work I enjoy and I do it and I do it well. But I there's a lot of other things outside of that that I believe. And I've, I've been reading a book, you know, about it, and we'll talk about that at some stage, I'm sure. But I've been reading a book that challenged me quite a bit in terms of relationships and how I see relationships and how I build relationships. And, and um, I mean, the whole podcast series that we've done, we talk about networking and relationship and how they work together, but they're also very different things. Um yeah. But the the value that I give towards a relationship and the value that I get from a relationship um, is is something that I need to work on quite a bit in the next year. I actually almost see it more of a, of a five-year longer-term plan because a relationship isn't cemented in a year. It starts and it grows yeah. and so on, but a relationship is a long, long-term commitment. Uh, otherwise, it's just a just a chemist, someone that you know, I, I know you, but I don't actually have a relationship with you. Um, that, that is two completely different um, things. And, and I think for the, for the medium term, that's one thing that I want to expand on is positioning value towards my relationships, the va- relationships that I value as well. And, and the business will also come through that. Um, it's it's a, a, an offspin of it but i um I need to be much more intentional about the relationships that I hold and that i that I feed and and give other people value out of um and yeah I, for for the work side we' just we're just on this growth path, and I think over the time over time we will get to a point where we potentially might expand a bit, but
0: it's not our aim to have a big massive business we we like it lean. I think I think the perspective that you had, or that you have currently, is is important. Um, and yeah. you are grateful for the journey. and grateful for where you are, and also grateful for the op- opportunities that lie ahead, and and the goals that you've set for yourself, for your family, for your business, are within reach. And I think maybe just by way of encouragement, just just keep being you. You've got an amazing yeah. track record of success by being yourself, by being unique, by bringing unique thoughts and solutions to the table. And that is why people want Rudolph. That is why people want Rudolph involved. That's why people want to speak to you because of of how you deal with people, how given you are. Um So I think that is a wonderful path to be on. Um, and I think, unfortunately, we have to leave the, the pod there for today. There was a, a lot more we could have gone into. Um, I really wanted to talk to you about cricket, but I think we need to have a whole podcast just talking about cricket, the state of cricket, is cricket in the right place, and what are, what is your plans for cricket and how to improve cricket in South Africa. But I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for another full podcast on cricket maybe. Very much. Uh, now that you mentioned
1: that, let's do that. Not not now because Chris is coming and everyone should be at
0: Chris's uh, workshops and so on. Uh, thanks to everyone Thank that's, that's listened up until now. Um, I hope you learned a, a lot more about Rudolf, especially those uh, friends there at the Ireni Business Network uh, when this will be going out just before the, IBM, the next IBN happens. Um, support Rudolf. Um, yeah, oh, he's a great guy. I've known him for many years now um, and, and, and always good to chat, even to talk nonsense. Um, he's always got time to to do that and to support you. So so thank, thank you, Rudolf, and thank you, everybody. We'll see you again next time at the right place.